0: Hello, I'm the Pink Phantom, and this is my podcast. Join me as I delve into the world of games and gaming, and especially old-school RPGs. Together, let's voyage into the astral realm and check out my phantom thought. In this episode, I've got a couple call-ins from Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I go over a couple of hex crawl aids that I... Just received from some Kickstarter buys I made. And, of course, more tales from the Dragon Slayers.
1: Hey, Pink Phantom, Jason here. Just listened to episode 54, and I paused after Rich's calls and your responses. Yeah, I agree. What is this RPG is definitely more useful than what is a RPG. I love authors' thoughts. I love to see notes and designer notes. And I wish more authors would use the layers in a PDF because they could put their thoughts in a different layer, that way it doesn't clutter up the rules. I mean, I don't care if it's on the rules. I I like to read books where the, you know, where the footnotes in the book is half the page or the half of every page. I love those. But you know, there are some people don't want to read footnotes, and there are some people don't want to read designer thoughts. But if authors, when they write their PDFs, would just put the regular text on one layer and put all the designer notes on a different layer. Like S. John Ross does, and Rice Riceus or Rhesus, however you want to say it. But, you know, if you use the different layers, you can still have designer notes for people like me, and the rules can still be clean without notes for the people that, you know, want that. So, yeah, I wish more games had designer notes and author thoughts. I love seeing what the author thinks and hearing their opinions. And, um, you know, it's like when you watch Highlander and Highlander 2 and the director who. I should look it up, but I'm in the middle of a phone call, so I can't look it up. But, you know, the director never understood why people thought he made a mistake and why people were angry when in Highlander 2, they're aliens from a different world. So, you know, that's fascinating. Without designer notes, you'll never know things like that. Okay, the other thing Rich talked about was the lion attack, and then you kind of were talking. And I – Yeah, I I think one attack roll and everything hitting is a little bit much, but there are a lot of monsters where like, both claw hits, they automatically do a bear hug, or if both claws hit, they automatically do something like that. So I think that I like that mechanic where, you know, if the creature hits with both attacks, then a a third attack automatically happens. I I do like that mechanic. I think rolling one hit and then you're rolling to hit once and then just all their attacks hitting, I'm not as much in favor of that. Okay, off to listen to the rest of the episode.
0: Yeah, that bit with the lions, that was just a mistake on my part. I guess just used to running one one attack roll for the party, I was just thinking one attack roll for the monster. I don't know exactly what I was thinking. I, I realized I messed it up later. I messed up some other stuff, too. Uh, but yeah, uh, designer notes, you know, coming from sort of the historical wargaming, gaming hobby perspective, uh, I've always liked designer notes because they always give you an idea into what the the designer was thinking. In the case of the historical games, a little background that maybe you didn't already have about the, the battle and the forces and the, the generals and stuff. But I think something like that for role-playing games is very useful, especially because role-playing games, there can be so many different ways to do a role-playing game, so many different settings, whether it's... You know, ancient or modern or far future or speculative future or alternative history or, you know, something with magic in it, something with a lot of technology in it, uh, post-apocalypse, all that stuff. And for some for, you know, I mean, that's what Appendix N is, right? I mean, that's designer notes from Gary Gygax about, hey, this is what was in my head when I, I was putting all this together. And that's maybe the most famous designer notes in RPGs and maybe of any designer notes. Appendix N. You just say Appendix N and people who have been in the hobby a while know exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah, I absolutely like. And I don't listen to the director's commentary as much on DVDs and stuff. That is something that I think is interesting, the transition from DVD-centric content to... You know where now a lot of stuff is just streamed, and you don't see as much as that. I mean, I I think I've seen it available with there to have commentary and stuff like that, but you don't see that as much. And it's you know just one of those added facets that's kind of you kind of miss it if you don't have it, even if you don't don't use it a lot like I do. It's always interesting to hear the the frame of mind of the the people who create things, what they're thinking when they're creating. So thank you for that call.
1: Hey Jason here. So, having finished all of your prompts, I went through and, and listened to your show that you released that has all of them together. I really like how it ties in with the story. I really like what you're doing with this mini campaign. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it progresses. So, great way to handle RPG a day. Very inventive. And, um yeah, very cool. So, for me, solo role-playing is much more of a procedural thing. As opposed to coming up with the these little stories and all that. But I, I really do enjoy them from more creative people that can handle doing that. So thank you for putting that out there. I, I did enjoy it and I'm looking forward to seeing how the story continues. Take care and I'll talk to you soon. Thank
0: you, Jason. Uh, it really was a good way to sort of develop the campaign world without worrying about as much about the numbers and mechanics and stuff. I ended up generating. I, I kind of went back to the little notebook I had where I was just writing all the stuff down as I, as I did it the little, the little story points story bits. And I generated like I think it was 18 or 20 new or fleshed out existing characters gave you know maybe gave names to somebody I'd mentioned before that didn't have a name. Uh, I named a few locations. I named uh, a magic item or two. And so it really helped kind of build the world without worrying about, well, how did the numbers fit in and everything? And, and it was able to tie things together. There was a, you know, a little tie here, a little tie there to what already happened without it getting cumbersome. And so I, I, it really helped me a lot. And I'm glad that you enjoyed the stories as well. I don't think I had intended them to be quite as tightly tied in to where if you hadn't heard the episodes, maybe it wouldn't make as much sense. I hope it made sense for anybody that tuned in that didn't know anything about it and maybe led them to, to want to go back and, and listen to some older episodes. But it was, it was a lot of fun, and I think it really was useful for me from developing the campaign perspective. I just want to take a few minutes to talk about a couple of Kickstarter products that I received uh, about the same time. And oddly enough, they're essentially about the same thing. It's about essentially hex crawls, creating hex crawls. Uh, one of these is a deck of cards called Hex Deck, with "deck" spelled D-E-K. It's from uh, Philip Reed. I believe he goes by Philip Reed Games on Drive Through RPG, and you can get these cards as just a PDF or as physical cards from Drive Through RPG. Uh, it's a from the box. It's a systemless fantasy RPG. Hex Crawl cards for use with most role-playing games it includes 50 double-sided Hex Crawl cards. And there's a few car- extra cards in there that kind of express what they're about. Uh, each card includes a 7-hex minimap and a short description of one location on the front. And then on the back, you have a random encounter table and short descriptions of one or two points of interest on the card face. And then it also offers some suggestions on how you could use them. Uh, dealing two or three cards to each player at the start of a session. player selects one, and the GM will use them to toss into random random encounters. Uh, Before a campaign begins, shuffle and deal all the cards to the party. Grab a sheet of blank hex paper, and one-by-one players select cards, and the GM sketches them onto the hex paper. When stuck for an idea, the GM draws a random card and improvises the evening's entertainment. So, you know, just a little small blips to sort of inspire you. Uh, the hex maps are pretty good. I like them. They're, you know, they're a little stylized, a little I use the term cartoony. That that's kind of, seems kind of demeaning. I don't like that term, but that's kind of what they are. They're they're simple enough with some detail added that you can tell what they are. Uh, they're in color. So you can tell this is water, this is mountains, this is desert, this is hills, this is forest, things like that. And it's exactly what it describes. It's got a couple of a couple of the hexes will have a number beside them, a 1 or a 1 or a 2 on most of the cards and on the front there'll be a brief description of just sort of the general area. It shows seven hexes put together in a bigger hex, and it's a general description of the area and then on the back more specifics what the what's number 1, what's number 2 and what kind of random encounters you can run across. So just a very quick little way if you need to generate some some terrain, some encounters, some some locations and your you know if you have some ideas but you you want more into a, a given section of your map you can add it in and there you go hex deck. The other item is the Hex crawl toolkit from games omnivorous. Uh, they also have a drive-through RPG page they have an itch.io page they have their own page. These are large, uh, two two and five-eighths inch across, one and a half inch along each edge. Hexes made of cardboard. It's for that thick cardboard that's a little laminated on top. Uh, there are 150 in this kit from several different, they call them biomes. I call them terrain types, but they call them biomes. Pastoral, desert, ocean, Forest, jungle, swamp, mountains, steps, and weird. There's only six of the weird. There's 18 of each of the others. The backside is kind of a generic, that type of generic terrain, and then you flip it over the other side, and there's something specific on there. Something to inspire you, something, some kind of drawing, some kind of location, some kind of building, some kind of structure, or some sort of uh, something else just to inspire you. For example, the weird... Hexes, one of them on one side has a monolith, like from 2001. One of them has essentially what looks like a arcane version of a Stargate from the Stargate movie or Stargate television series. Uh, the The weird hexes do have something different on each side. They don't just have like a generic side where you mix them in. Uh, they do have, they also have some uh, tokens. They have some long uh Long blue cardboard, uh, cardboard, wooden rectangles, basically, so that as you set up your hexes, you can put them along the edges to simulate a river. They have a handful of round treasure tokens where you can put where treasures are located, and they even include a little pawn if you want to use build the map and then use it to track where your RPG party is on that map. You can you can move that move that pawn around. They also included some scenario cards. These are just some... These are just... They're sort of pre-made regions. Uh, large areas of hexes. They show a little, little mini-map. And then different types... Where you put different types of terrain. Some of them are numbered. So they tell you what's in each of those numbered hexes. They tell you what the quest is. There's a quest, for example. The quest Escort the King is a King Rides Inside the Royal palanquin which the players must carry or find henchmen for them to do. The king must be delivered to the castle in no more than 12 days. And it also includes a little D6 random events chart and a D6 encounters chart. Uh, if you don't want to do the scenarios, you can just lay it, lay them out, pull them out of a bag. They include a cloth bag you can put them in and you can pull them out of a cloth bag and lay them out. There's a little, little pamphlet that has uh, various tables for stocking towers, stocking villages, stocking cities, and stocking dungeons. That's incredibly useful. It's a, just a, a small little thing. It's a little bigger than... It's maybe a 4x6 card size when it's folded up and just chock full of good charts to roll on. It has a little pad of hex, of hex maps with a hex map at the top and... In varying shapes, most of them are either, there's some unusual shapes in there, but there's also a lot of where they have about 19 hexes, and they're set up as a bigger hex. But they have the numbers 1 through 19 written on them in different orders. They have a little border to show where that's basically where a river or something would be, and it's got some stars where it would be a location where you would have some sort of location for people to go to or maybe some sort of treasure at the top it's got a place where you can write the region name and then the bottom half of the each, each each piece of paper is a d6 rumors table a d6 encounters table a d6 treasure table that is just blanks where you write in what you want to write in the only additional information is for the rumors it suggests that three of them should be true two partly true and one false and then it also has a little booklet that comes with it where it talks about each, it breaks it shows you the pictures of each of the types of hex in each biome, tells you special travel rules for each biome. It has tables for encounters, treasure, events, and rumors for each biome. So you can pull from that if you don't want to create your own. And it at the back it tells you here are the different ways you can use it, the random region using the pads, the quest scenarios, using the quest cards. Hex in a bag, just drawing the hexes out and and creating your own. And Uncharted Lands, where you take 30 tiles of your choice, all of which with locations, arrange them to create the map for your liking. So some suggestions to get you started, but nothing concrete, nothing to set you in, not a serious set of rules that you have to do it this way, but a way to fire your imagination. And if you don't need your imagination fired, you got that blank pad where you can just go to town and create everything on your own, but you've got the hexes to inspire you to draw from and to lay out on the table for members of your group. So, two ways to generate Hex Crawl Terrain. The Hex Deck, simple group of cards from Philip Reed Games, and the Hex Crawl Toolbox from Games Omnivorous. I will say that right now it does not appear that the Hex Crawl Toolbox is quite up for sale yet on any of its locations. They do have some other hex-based uh, products. These seem to be more gen- more spe- more specific settings in a in that same format where they have the large hexes in a bag to draw from and everything. It's supposed to include GM screens with different rumor tables and everything. So it's a little more specific. It's more like doing it the 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 one the one way the the quest scenario random read the Quest scenario or Hex in a Bag way maybe combined instead of having a little more flexibility. But they look interesting. It may be something I order as well. Um, But the Kickstarter just concluded not that long ago. There was also a digital version. There's a digital version of the Hex deck, card deck, like I said. There was a digital version that I got with the Hex Crawl toolbox as well. So hopefully these will be out soon. I'm going to put the links to all their various pages so if that's something you're interested in, you can keep an eye on it. And uh, it it looks fantastic, and I hope to get some good use out of it soon. And uh, if things go well, I'll let you know how they go. So, two ways to generate some some Hex Crawl goodness for you today. And now, more from my solo AD&D RPG campaign, Tales of the Dragon Slayers. The party follows the blood trail into the secret door that they know about and down what they believe is now a corridor and not simply a 10 foot by 30 foot space that they believed was room but now believe is a corridor. At the end of the corridor they have Bernie looking for secret doors and with a roll of two he finds one. They prepare themselves he opens it up and they find themselves facing seven orcs armed with battle axes. So we're going to roll surprise The orcs on a five do not surprise the party. The party on a six does not surprise the orcs. So now we will roll initiative. Five for the party, five for the orcs. It'll be simultaneous. This base is also 10 feet by 30 feet. So were the orcs just entering it? Were they exiting it? Or were they about to open the secret door themselves? On a 1 or a 2, they were just entering. They're at the far end of the room. On a 3 or 4, they're exiting it. They had their backs turned. They're somewhere in the middle or toward the back end. And on a 5 or 6, they're about to open the door. They're facing the party. And on a 2, they were just entering. So the party is able to get in. And since they're able to get 3 abreast, they will have Sir Gus, Bernie, and Sven on the front row with Edgar and Cudgel at the back, and the orcs will be attempting to push forward and attack. So we're going to roll, so one orc attempts to attack Sir Gus because of his high armor class and because of the minus five weapon versus armor adjustment from the, well actually it doesn't even take the adjustment. Because of his high armor class and the protection from evil aura he emits, Uh, Sir Gus, effectively they need a 21 to hit him. That's not possible because their weapon versus armor adjustment is minus 5. But we're going to roll anyway just to see what he rolls. He rolls a 16. That would have been good against some of the others, perhaps. Now we'll have someone roll against Bernie. Their weapon versus armor against him is 0. They need a 20 to hit. And they roll a 19, just short. Finally, against Finn, they have a minus 2 on their weapon versus armor adjustment. They need a 19 to hit, so they can't hit him, but we're going to roll just to see. And that's a 2. So now they will, st- the party will st- also strike. Uh, Sir Gus needs a 14 to hit. Everybody but Cudgel needs a 14 to hit. Cudgel will need a 15 to hit. So Sir Gus, he has a plus 4 on his hit roll. He rolls an eight, that gives him a twelve, he misses. Bernie will try to hit. He has a he also has a plus four to hit. He rolls a three, he misses. Sven. Sven has actually has some of the treasures that they recovered from the orcs who were destroyed by the tornado. Has a magical trident coupled with his strength bonus and his specialization bonus. He has a massive plus six to hit. And with an 11, he hits. His trident will do two to seven damage. He has a plus seven. Uh, These orcs don't have a lot of hit points, so every time Sven hits, he's going to kill one. So he has killed one orc. Cuddle and Egger are essentially blocked from participating. So now we will roll for initiative for round two. The party rolls a four. The orcs also roll a 4. More simultaneous combat. We'll roll for the orcs against Sir Gus. Doesn't matter. It was an 18. Against Bernie, a 12. That's a miss. Against Sven, another 12. Sir Gus rolls. With a 16, he hits. With his bonus, that's going to kill an orc. Bernie will get in it. We'll get two attacks this round, one now and one at the end of the round. He's rolling with plus four. He rolls a two and misses Sven with his plus six. He rolls a 12 and hits. That kills another orc. And then Bernie gets his second swing, and he rolls a three. Bernie not rolling well here. So now with half the orcs almost, well, not quite half the orcs, but more than 25% of the orcs have been killed. So they're going to do a morale check here. Well, first we need roll roll initiative to see if they, if they win initiative and roll morale first. All right, the orcs roll a one. The party rolls a three. So the party gets to go first. Sir Gus with an 18 hits. That's another dead orc. Bernie with a seven misses. Just barely has a plus four, so it was a few off. Sven with an eight plus six. That's a hit. That kills another orc that's over 50% dead now at this point. So now the orcs will roll their morale roll. We'll get our percentile dice. So 25% of the enemy, uh, well, 50% or more of them are eliminated. So that's a plus 15. Uh, their their morale starts at... at so they need to roll 50% or less. They're plus 15 because 50% of their party has been eliminated. Uh, They've had, they have taken casualties without receiving any. That doesn't make sense. I think that means taking casualties without dealing any out. Plus 10%, so that's plus 25%. Plus 10% per each friend killed. Five have been killed, so that's plus 50%. So that's a total plus 75%. And then we roll the dice on top of that, and it's 18. So that would have been good if there hadn't been any adjustments. But it, but it br- comes to a grand total of 68% versus a goal of 50%. So that difference means they disengage and retreat, which means the party is going to get free shots at the last two orcs. So, Sergus, he misses. Bernie, with a 10, he will. That's just barely a hit. Uh, so, with his bonus, that will kill an orc. And then Sven, with a plus 6, he rolls a 15. So, he kills the last orc. So, they killed 5 orcs, and then they killed the last 2 as they fled. And now they are in a 10 by 30 foot corridor with stairs leading up. And they're going to head up in the direction the orcs were headed. Having defeated the orcs, the party climbs two flights of stairs. They find themselves in a 10 foot wide corridor with a door at one end to the left and an open opening in the wall to the right, a passageway. They proceed through the passageway into a 20-foot-wide corridor. About 40 feet ahead, they see that it splits in sort of a Y. To the left, they can see light and hear some noise. They extinguish their torch and creep up to that part of the corridor. And peeking down the hallway, they can see orcs in a room down toward the end, going about their business. Having extinguished their light, they see there's also a small amount of light coming from the fort to the right. So they decide to send Bernie to investigate. So Bernie is going to try to move silently as he crosses the corridor to check out the other section. So he's going to roll on his move silently. He has a 25% chance. And with a nine, he gets it. So he's moving quietly through the corridor. He moves about 30 feet. The corridor turns about 45 degrees and then comes to a 90 degree passageway to his right. Peeking down, he can see this also leads into the room the chamber that the orcs have taken up residence in he creeps back to the party and lets them know what he has seen and after some discussion they decide they should try to take the right fork so they can approach the orcs through the 10 foot corridor 10 foot wide corridor versus the 20 foot wide corridor so that if the orcs have greater numbers they can't be surrounded but this is going to require them to to cross that 20 foot corridor that leads directly into the orcs lair. So I'm going to roll a d6 for each party member to see if the orcs notice that the party is sneaking by. Maybe they make some noise, maybe an orc looks up. I'm gonna give them a one in six chance. For Bernie, I'm going to roll on his hide and shadows and move silently again. So hide and shadows, he's got 20% chance. Uh, 63, he's not going to be successful at being unobserved. If they look his way, move silently, he's also unsuccessful with a forty-seven percent. Alright, so Bernie sneaks across. The orcs don't catch the flight of him. Sir Gus, no. Spin. No. Cudgel. No. And finally Edgar. Also no. They set themselves up in the same marching order they had before, where they have Bernie, Sven, and Sir Gus up front with Cudgel and Edgar behind. And so now we will roll for surprise. They know the orcs are there, so I'm going say the party can't be surprised, but we will roll dice for both to see if there's any surprise segment. So does the party surprise the orcs? i roll the six. They don't. And the orcs also rolled a four, so no surprise there. So the party comes down the corridor, the orcs spot them, and battle ensues. The opening music of this podcast is Strength of the Titans, and the closing music is Late Night Radio, both by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Thank you for listening to Phantom Thoughts. I would love to hear your feedback. You don't have to be part of the show. If you want to contact me and let me know, hey, these are for your eyes only. I just wanted to give you thoughts, ideas, response. And it's really for your eyes or ears only. That's absolutely fine. I'd love to hear from you either way. So just let me know when you contact me. Just, I don't want to be part of the show. There are lots of different ways you can contact me. You can send me an email at phantomthoughts podcast at gmail.com and that can be a regular email or you can attach an audio file to it you can use the message button on my podcast site on podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash phantom thoughts you can contact me via my google voice number 864-209-1441 you can contact me via Speakpipe at www.speakpipe.com/slash-phantom-thoughts. You can contact me on Discord, the Pink Phantom. All this contact information is listed in the show notes of every episode. And thank you for those who call in. Thank you for those who don't call in. I appreciate you listening, and hope you'll listen again next time. Until then, I hope you have a great day.